Welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast, hosted by Andy Barker, consultant sports physiotherapist, private practice owner, and the founder of the New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job as the head of physiotherapy and rehab at the Leeds Rhinos, just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously been with the Leeds Rhinos for 10 seasons, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes within professional rugby, international football and professional dance, alongside running his own successful private practice. Andy built the new grad physio to help new grad physios, sports therapists and sport rehabilitators just like you accelerate their own learning and learn the skill sets you need to become a competent, confident and competitive new grad physio. As a new grad, there are specific challenges you will face during those first few years and this podcast will deliver you actionable advice you can use to overcome these challenges and start your own successful new grad journey. Enjoy the show! So I was on a call the other day and this phone call probably helps a therapist save £12,000 and the reason I say that is he was almost at the at the point where he was going to sign his the next couple of years away of his life going back to university to study a master's degree when it wasn't what he actually needed to do and I'm going to talk through and this is this podcast and use this as a bit of an intro and an example about how this therapist had problems sort of prescribing rehab with the patients and athletes that he was working with but how his actual rehab problems had nothing to do with rehab they were actually all to do with his assessments and I'm sure you'll be able to relate to this because if you've ever had a patient if you've ever had an athlete that you've worked with and you've been a little bit unsure about what rehab exercises to use then this podcast is going to be so helpful i'm sure you've had those patients i'm sure you've had those athletes where you you're not quite sure what exercises your patient needs you're not sure how many reps or sets they should do you're not sure whether you know body weight exercises are okay or whether you need to get them in the gym and lift weights you know you're not too sure even if weights are appropriate for that particular patient or athlete, you maybe find yourself prescribing the same exercises over and over again, regardless of really the, the patient, the end goal, even prescribing the same exercises for different injuries, maybe giving the same sets and reps, doing that sort of common three times 10 that so many therapists doing, but not really understanding why you're doing it. You might think that all those problems that I've just mentioned our rehab problems, you know, exercises, sets, reps, lifting weights. And you might be right in thinking that, but they're actually not. They're actually assessment problems. And what I'm going to talk through in this podcast is showing you how you can actually maximize your subjective and objective assessment to actually tell you exactly the exercises that you should be prescribing. And more importantly than that, as therapists, for you to understand why you've actually chosen that exercise, what is the rationale behind choosing that particular exercise. I'm even going to show you how to explain this to your patient. And if you can do this well, 
what this means is not only is your patient doing the right exercises, but if you can un make them understand and explain your exercise choice in the right way, and this is super simple to do using layman's terms, no fancy you know, words and explanations, but if you can make them understand what they're doing and how these exercises are actually going to fix their problem, the result you get is better patient buy-in, patients that go away and actually do their rehab, which equals patients that actually get better, which equals a happier patient and happy, you know, happier therapist. You're going to be much happier if your patient is improving, if they're getting better and you can actually get them back to their end point, whatever that is, whatever that outcome was at the start of the treatment process. So let's get cracking with this week's podcast episode. So there's no such thing as a bad exercise. And what I mean by that is one exercise over another is not necessarily better. The, the problem we have with exercise selection is you can sometimes pick the wrong exercise. And what I mean by that is you just pick an exercise, maybe it's the wrong time. So in terms of it's at the wrong time point in that sort of treatment plan. It could be wrong in the sense that it's maybe either too easy or indeed too hard for your patient. It could be wrong in the sense that it's not actually fixing a problem that you've identified and a problem that actually needs fixing. It could be wrong because it's not actually going to help your patient progress to the next stage of their rehab. But there's no such thing as a bad exercise. As long as you've got a rationale about why you're choosing a particular exercise and it links ultimately back to your patient assessment, then again, don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't do that exercise, you should do this exercise, because as long as you've got that rationale, as long as you understand, as long as you can reason about why you've picked that certain exercise, why you're doing that many sets, reps, lifting a certain amount of weight or whatever it may be, then the exercise is a good choice for your patient. Exercise selection, however, must directly relate at all times to the problems that you're trying to fix and the problems that you're trying to fix come directly from your patient assessment so to to explain this a bit a bit more detail and to make you understand this we need to firstly recap on what is the aim of your patient assessment and the aim of any patient assessment your initial assessment is to one find a diagnosis two identify your patient's problems so that could be a loss of range of movement or loss of strength or proprioception or balance or whatever it may be and third and finally establish your patient's end goal so diagnosis problems and end goal so whatever exercise you pick for your patient must always have these three things in mind so again if you work through these one by one you'll click you'll be able to see really easily why this is important and how actually how easy it is if we look at the diagnosis if we look at identifying patient problems and we look at establishing a patient's end goal how helpful all this information which is all assessment information is going to be to help you make sure you pick the right exercise so if we look at diagnosis maybe we're going to use an example of a patient that has a patellar tendinopathy so how might that diagnosis of patellar tendinopathy actually guide what exercises we might select. So, for example, with patellar tendinopathy, there's a, a decent amount of evidence base to suggest that isometrics can be really effective, particularly to reduce pain. We also know that eccentrics and heavy slow resistance 
training or heavy slow resistance um, you know, rehab has a big place in the management of tendinopathy. So again, our diagnosis is going to guide us as to potential options, the type of training and rehab that we might use for that particular patient. Our diagnosis can also be helpful in terms of maybe where they are in relation to the type of tendinopathy they've got. So they may have, a, for example, a reactive tendinopathy. It's a new tendinopathy that maybe it's just come on in the last few days or weeks. And again, how you manage a reactive tendinopathy is very different to how you might manage a tendinopathy that a patient's had for three months or four months or six months or ongoing for two, three years. And again, the type of exercises that you might use and your management is going to differ, whether it's a, you know, a new tendinopathy pattern, a reactive tendinopathy pattern, or whether it's a chronic tendinopathy pattern. With an acute or reactive tendinopathy pattern, a lot of your focus might be on managing their activity, so actually reducing activity where possible, about trying to dampen down their pain. Whereas with a chronic tendinopathy pattern, we know that we can load tendons with pain, but we know that's not going to be the same for that, that acute or reactive tendinopathy. So again, the information from our diagnosis is really going to help guide our management. Your patient might also tell you that certain you know, movements, for example, with a tendinopathy pattern in the knee, we might see that things like forward lunging, um, coming down the stairs, anything where they load their anterior knee is giving them symptoms. So this would be a patient problem. We, the patient's going to tell you this information when you're going through your aggravating factors as part of your subjective assessment. So again, this is pretty straightforward, but again, it's going to give you some really helpful information because you know if that if their main aggravating factors are lunging forward, are coming down off a step, then that clearly is probably going to tell you some of the exercises that you shouldn't pick. So again, stepping down from a box, forward lunges are probably going to be off the agenda for that patient to start with because they are going to be movements and positions that your patient's told you already that really aggravate their knee. So again, it'd be very foolish of us as therapists to then actually program and prescribe exercises that are actually going to put them in exactly that same position. In terms of patient problems, again, this links in with your objective assessment. So maybe you, you get your patient on the bed, you're examining their knee and you know they've you notice they have a loss of knee range of movement. Maybe they've got reduced um, output in their hamstring and glue on the same side as their knee problem. So again, this is going to give you some really good information. It's going to give you some help to prescribe exercises that are actually going to help them. So again, if you want to reduce some load through the front of their knee, Maybe some foam rolling in their quads might help. Maybe you want to try and restore their range of movement in their knee. You might use something as simple as some knee slides on the bed. So on the on the bed, laying on their back and just bringing their heel towards their bum, like you would do with a sort of post-operative knee. And again, that might be what's needed for that patient to desensitize that knee, to reduce the loading through the front part of their knee and try and restore that knee range of movement. On you know, addition to that, you've, you've identified they've maybe got reduced output through their, their glue or hamstring on the same side. And again, could you prescribe then an exercise that's actually going to help to restore that glute and hamstring function on that same side? Because if that's a problem we've identified, 
we want to potentially you know pick a rehab exercise that's actually going to fix that problem so again we've got a problem and then our exercise selection is going to be our solution to that problem and then finally the end goal is massively important so i guess the exercises that you might use and how you progress your patient through a treatment plan is going to be directly related to the end point so again you might have a patient who's a keen park runner they do that 5k every week but at the moment they've got that patel tendon issue they've not been able to to run they've had to stop try to manage it for a few weeks but they've come to the point now that it's just too sore and they can't they can't run anymore but even in your early rehab we know the end goal we want to get them back to running that 5k every week but even during your early rehab can you put them in certain positions that are going to help your later rehab so even with a low level hamstring glute exercise could you actually put them in a running position they don't have to be stood up they could be on their back but could you put their limbs in a position that's similar to the pattern of running and again knowing their end goal will help you to do that if you didn't know your patient you know wanted to get back to running again you wouldn't know to put them in a running type position again they might want to get back to lifting deadlifting squatting in the gym or it might be something completely different and again if you know the end goal you can try and devise and prescribe exercises that are going to help them get back to their chosen outcome. Again, your patient might be elderly. They might be suffering with anterior knee pain just the same. Getting up and down off the floor into maybe a bridge-type position might not be appropriate for them. So again, you may want to keep them in standing and, and you know, obviously not you know, be asking them to get up and down off the floor, which for someone who's elderly is not probably going to be appropriate. So again, taking that into consideration and obviously making sure you prescribe the right exercises for your patient. So let's have a look at putting that all together. Hope you are enjoying today's episode so far. Just wanted to take a break and make sure you haven't missed out on Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It will show you five simple steps you need to accelerate your learning and career as a new grad physio. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. It's Andy's most downloaded resource and you can get it completely free just by visiting newgradphysio.com. So make sure you check it out. Now, Let's get back to the podcast. We've got a patient. He's got a reactive patel tendon issue. It's been there for a couple of weeks. Five out of ten on the VAS scale, coming downstairs. When he kneels directly on it, walking's three out of ten. He's middle-aged. He wants to get back to park running, but at the moment's unable to run. He doesn't have any access to a gym. He doesn't have any weights or anything at home. He works as a builder, which is a bit of a problem for him because... You know, kneeling on that knee is a problem and is one of his main aggravating factors. The biggest point I want to make here is this is all subjective information. I've This is before you do any type of objective assessment and get your patient on the bed. This is all information that you'll easily be able to get from your patients about what's going on, their levels of pain, what's actually stopping them from doing, what access to equipment, gym, etc. they've got, what they do as an occupation. And again, this is obviously really key information because it's really going to help us devise a treatment plan or pick an exercise that is really going to help our patient. If we move into the objective assessment, we'll use the same same guy. 
he's got full range of movement on the knee. You know, there's no problems there. He has full flexion, full extension. He's tender. When you palpate the tender, maybe that gives a 5 out of 10 on the VAS score. You identify he's got poor glute activity on that same side as his painful knee. And he has pain with forward lunging, a single leg squat, and also when he tries to hop on that side. We give him a diagnosis. He's got a reactive patellar tendinopathy. If we look at his problems, so we said... You know, we'll pick his main, you know, aggravating factors. Five out of ten coming down the stairs. Five out of ten when he's actually kneeling on his knee. Reduced glute activity on the same side. And at the moment, he's unable to load the knee. So when we get him to squat, to lunge, to hop, you know, it's too painful. He just can't do that movement well. His end goal is to get back to running a 5K on a Saturday with his mates. So, taking all that into consideration... What if we had to pick one exercise, you know, what potentially could we pick? So if we look at his main problems, the things that we've identified, we know that pain's a problem. So we know, going back to what I mentioned a little bit earlier, that isometrics are really good at helping to dampen down pain with tendinopathy type patterns. So maybe we could use some type of isometric exercise that would that would sort of tick the box if you like in terms of trying to modulate his pain we noticed we assessed and he had reduced glute activity on that same side so again could we incorporate an isometric but with an activity that's gonna fire up his glute and get his glute to do a bit more work on that same side again maybe so maybe not so again this is just thinking can we try and Again, probably pick as little exercises as possible that try and encompass and actually tick the box as it was for the problems we've identified. So so again, rather than probably thinking about, I've got that one problem, I need to pick an exercise for that problem, then another exercise for another problem. Can you actually you know kill two or three birds with one stone? And can you actually solve more than one problem with one exercise the less exercise you can give a patient the more likely they are to go away and do them it's just easier if your patient has a list of 10 12 exercises it makes it very confusing and much you know there's much less of a likelihood they're actually going to go away and do those exercises if you can keep exercise selection to one maybe you know two exercises particularly in the early part of their rehab then again their adherence and their buying to what you're doing is going to be much much greater so given what i said a great exercise that could be used for this type of problem might be a wall glute hamstring bridge so i'll talk through this so you'd get your patient on the floor they would have their working leg against the wall so their foot will be flat on the wall they would their their trunk and head would be flat on the floor and then you would get their knee to about 20 to 30 degrees of knee flexion and then what you would get them to do so again on their working leg get them to lift their hip off the floor just by an inch or two and then with their unaffected side so their non-working leg you would get it so their hip and knee is at 90 degrees. So if you can imagine, if you were to take a photo of that position and flip it into on its side, they would be in a position where their working leg is, you know, the, the foot that's against the wall would be in exactly the same position as the foot would be when it hits the floor when running. Whereas their 
non-working leg is going to be up in the air, off the wall, but in, if we were in a running position, it'd be off the floor. And again, that is a running position, albeit the patient is laid on their back, but we're trying to get the muscles to work in a position that's directly related to this particular patient's angle. And again, clearly he's not running, he's laid on his back, but his joints are in the same position as he would be if he was able to run. And this is going to really going to help you when you get to your later stages of rehab because we've already started to train from session number one, the muscles, the joints in positions that they're going to need to work in when we get back up to you know, higher level activity. And in this case, for this patient, back to his 5K running. I appreciate talking through uh, an exercise and positioning on a podcast is a little bit tricky. So if you want to see an image of this particular exercise, just head to my website, so newgradphysio.com, head to the blog tab, and there's a blog with the same title as this podcast. So knowing exactly what exercises to set in your patient's rehab program. Click on that and you'll see the blog post and you'll see an image of the wall glute hamstring bridge I've just spoken through. As well as providing the, I guess, prescribing the, the right rehab exercise, you also need to explain this to your patient. So it's all obviously all well and good having built that rationale and having a rationale for your exercise selection. That's clearly very, very important. But you also need to explain to your patient exactly why you've picked a particular exercise. So again, using the example we did before, we could tell our patient something like this. We might tell them, I want you to do this glute bridge you know, on the wall because firstly, it's going to help with your pain. We know that isometrics, which are basically exercises where you're not moving, like your knees on the wall, are really helpful in reducing pain. We also identified when we did your some tests on the, the bed that your glute wasn't working as well as what we would like. So we want to get your glute to do a little bit more work. And why this is important to your knee is that if we can get your glute muscle doing a little bit more, it means the muscles in the front of your knee, your, your quads, actually will do a little bit less work. And it's these quads at the moment that are overworking that is causing the front of your knee to, to overwork and in turn become painful. And specifically, I want you to do the exercise in this position because our goal is to get you back as quickly as possible to your end goal, which is running that 5K on Saturday with your mates. And this position mimics that running position. So again, we're trying to reduce your pain, trying to get your glute to a little bit more work and we're trying to get you back to running so this is why i specifically want you to do this exercise so again that's almost i guess in one respect it's um as a therapist you're running through those um that checklist in your head and that is your rationale you know that that is the rationale as to why we've picked the exercise which is obviously great for us as therapists knowing we've actually picked something that's appropriate it's actually going to fix the problems we've identified but also, it's clearly very important that you explain that to your patient. So, you know, unless your patient knows why they're doing an exercise, the, the likelihood of them buying in to that exercise is going to be, you know, it's going to be reduced. Until you actually assess the patient, you don't know what exercise or exercises you should prescribe them. 
if you do a good job with your assessment, it makes choosing the right exercise for your patient so, so much easier. Try not to fall into the trap of trying to fit an exercise to a patient's diagnosis. What you need to do first is identify that patient's diagnosis, identify what problems they've got and their end goal, and then find an exercise that's appropriate and specific to to what you found during their assessment. And again, if you're, I guess, falling into the trap and do it the opposite way around, then you're always going to come unstuck. If you're trying to fit an exercise to a patient, all you'll end up doing is you'll find that you're prescribing the same exercises over and over again. You're seeing patients with back pain and knee pain and Achilles pain, and you're giving them the same things. One of the common things you, you I see patients um being given as rehab all the time in my clinic and when I speak to therapists, you know, those that that are honest enough to admit it, they're giving the same exercises over and over again. So one of the common things is do loads of glute work for a patient with back pain, um, patients with hip pain, patients with a hamstring problem, patients with uh, anterior knee pain, patients with Achilles pain. Again, prescribing the same exercise to, again, to try and improve glute function if you like for loads of different problems even though some of those patients didn't actually have a glute problem and then you know is it any wonder that some of these patients don't respond in the way that we'd like to so what you need to do is identify your patient's diagnosis identify what problems they have and then give them an exercise that actually addresses these problems if you can link it to their end goal whatever that may be for your patient, that's almost the cherry on top. So I was able to do that in the example before, but you might not always be able to do that. But the, the most important thing that you link the exercise to their diagnosis and and particularly you're linking the exercise to the problems that you've identified during the, their assessment. If your patient, and if you explain this well, if your patient can see a clear connection between their injury your rehab and the exercises that you've prescribed and their end goal, the likelihood is that they're going to go away and they'll do every single rep of every single set that you tell them to do. We know that if patients don't do this, if patients go away and do their exercises half-heartedly, they do you know maybe not as frequently as we want or don't do them at all, these are the types of patients that do not get better. So, I guess the crux of this whole podcast episode is whilst you might think that you have a problem prescribing rehab, you know, 99% of the time, the therapists that I speak to and work with, most of their actual rehab problems actually relate directly to their assessment. So maybe you have an assessment problem. Maybe you have, you know, a problem also with prescription. Maybe you're not too short. Maybe you need a bit of work on both. Um, But whatever it is, getting clear on what specifically is stopping you getting the results you want with your patients is vital. And for the the large chunk of patients that I see in clinic that have failed, you know, traditional approaches, if you want to call it that, or have failed um, with other therapists and things like that, and also the work I do working directly and mentoring other therapists relates often to the assessment so even though you might think it's a prescription problem it's a rehab problem there are flaws in the assessment process that are basically just making your job a little bit harder making your job in some cases a lot harder because you're just not really clear on what problems you're trying to fix and if you're not clear on that then it just makes your prescription of exercise and rehab 
that much more difficult. So I guess just like the therapist I mentioned at the start of this podcast, he thought he had a rehab problem and he was very close to you know signing on to a master's in strength and conditioning and signing away £12,000 to his already you know tens of thousands of pounds of debt he's already in when he actually needed to just spend a bit more time on his subjective and objective assessments i'm not taking and i did i did say this to him i'm not saying that you shouldn't do that you know master study at some point but at the moment based on what he told me all his problems he was getting all the frustrations he was getting where he wasn't confident in his patient management all related to his subjective and objective assessments and if he was going to go away and do that snc program and not address his issues in his subjective and objective assessments a year from now two years from now five years from now he would still be getting the same issues if yourself you know if you want some help and guidance as to where you might need to prioritize your time and get really clear why you might not be getting the patient results that you want, then please just let me know. The easiest way to do that is if you contact me by email. So it's andy at newgraphphysio.com. Just put the subject help. Don't have to put anything else. Just put the subject help. And I'll get right back to you with some guidance and also some advice. And really what we want to do is just really try and get clear and focus your attentions on the right thing so wherever you are maybe you need the most amount of work in your clinical skills is where you should be focusing your time and attention with your cpd like that seems really simple and pretty logical but it's what a lot of therapists don't do and one of the big dangers of that and if you're not quite clear on exactly what it is that's stopping you getting the results that you want you might like the therapist i've just spoke about end up going off down the wrong track trying to learn the wrong things spending large amounts of your time effort and even thousands of pounds on courses and mscs and all sorts of things that are not actually going to make you better at what you do day to day they're not going to improve your skills they're not going to make you feel more confident with the patients that you're working with day to day so if you want to do that you want some help and support directly relating to your i guess your cpd guidance then please contact me andy at newgraphphysio.com with the subject help so thanks for listening to this week's episode of the new graph physio podcast enjoy the rest of your day whatever you've got planned if i don't hear you before the next episode then i will catch you on the next special episode of the new grad physio podcast thanks for listening to andy barker's new grad physio podcast if you've enjoyed this content you will love his website newgradphysio.com which is packed full of free content to help you, a new grad physio, sports therapist or sports rehabilitator, overcome the specific challenges you face day to day in your clinical practice, working in the NHS, private practice and sport. Here you can get links to all his other podcast episodes, read all his blogs, find out about his book and his upcoming courses and the new grad physio membership. You can also download Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. Get access to all this by visiting www.newgradphysio.com. The new grad physio was built to help as many new grads as possible. 
So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and even better, tell someone else about it. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned. And here's to the start of your own successful new grad journey.